Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information about Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. And now, here's Cynthia. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me today. This is the new year. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And I am excited about this new year, but I think every year I want to be excited. So what we're going to look at this time is, are you ready for the best year ever? And what kind of year are you going to have? And how are we going to successfully bring last year to a close and set powerful intentions for the new year? So when we talk about our best year ever, we want to think about the difference between what my best or our best and maybe what God's best is. Because we want God's best for our lives and we want him to continue in that good work he started in us. So as we begin with this teaching or this little exhortation today, we must position our hearts and minds to have a foundational focus and outlook that we are open and desiring God's will. That God's will be done, not my will. And this means that I must daily position my mind, my heart, my body, my soul, my spirit, to be open and seeking and wanting God's will. Now, this is, this is difficult. But we've spoken often about this ripple effect phenomenon. And so if I do this, quote-unquote, intentional positioning of myself in all areas of my life, a great majority of the battle is won as to whether or not that moment-by-moment daily experience of my life is one of meaning and of purpose and of hope, which results in vision. So remember, our biggest battle is the battle of wills. And who will surrender? Will I accept and go with God or resist and hold on and struggle? Not knowing God's will is, the, is this whole other show, but the positioning of our entire self is the point of doing this, is that I want God's will, not my will. And so this is, a, this is one of the foundational things that we need to position ourselves in as we go forward, is that we are going to intentionally start that foundation that it is going to be God's way and not my way. So that's the number one thing, position and intention. So I'm going to practice a position of intention, and I'm going to daily position my heart and mind to say, not my will, but thy will be done. And one of the things that we can encourage ourselves is I'm going to give you a couple of Bible verses because you know me well enough to know that by now I really like to have a reference point biblically of the thoughts and the things that the, we, the, um, the paradigms that we're looking at. So the first one is Philippians 1.6, and I like this out of the Message Bible, because it says, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. So we have this wonderful premise that God is saying to us that when he's doing his will and we are letting him do his will and we are partnering with him on his will, the Apostle Paul is saying he doesn't have the slightest doubt in his mind that God who started this great work and you would keep at it. He wouldn't stop. He's going to keep at it. So we want to remind ourselves that our intention 
is to surrender to God's work and believe that he will complete it. He has a way, and we desire his way. So if we look at this next verse, and I've used this one before, because I just think this, this verse in Proverbs is incredibly powerful. And this is Proverbs fourteen twelve, And this is also out of the Message Bible. And it says, there's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again. It leads straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. And so what this verse is telling us is that there's a way to live life. And there's a way that for me, like in the NIV, it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. So there can be a way that seems right. And in many ways, it, it can be, we can be living a fairly moral life and not really struggling too much with, with too much overt sin. And maybe we're doing good things and being a good person. And what, what this verse is saying is there's a way of life that looks harmless enough. But look again, it leads straight to hell. And so if I am doing my will, that is going to bring hell into my life. And so even if it appears good, even if there's things that I'm kind of, I don't know, kind of um, a little bit under the radar, maybe not quite at the level I should be at, but it's not really hurting anybody. It's not really hurting myself seemingly. And so it can be kind of harmless, like I'm speeding a little bit more than I should. I'm using language maybe I shouldn't be using. I'm, I'm in my own mind having judgmental thoughts toward people or myself. And so it, the, the overall effect may not look really bad in and of itself. But what this verse is saying is that there's a way of life that looks harmless enough. But look again, because it leads straight to hell. And this also has to do with us if we are not asking for God's will and we are living as the world, even if, even if it's not, again, necessarily a moral behavior per se. And so we want it, it. The second part of this verse says, sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will in the end lead to heartbreak. And so we see this even if you look at any of the Hollywood magazines that are in the grocery store line. The, the, from one week to the next, these people are on top of the world and then they're divorcing and then they're back on top of the world, excited about their new endeavor, and then the next week they're wanting to kill themselves. And so it looks like these people are really happy, but they're, they're living lives of intense heartbreak. So what we want to really be saying to God again is, I want your will, not mine. Because even when my will seems right, it's bringing hell into my life if it's my will. And so Isaiah 55, 8, <clears throat> excuse me, this time of year is difficult, I'm sure, on all of you, when it comes to these colds that we have. So Isaiah 55, 8, out of the Message Bible, I really like this verse as well, because it says, God is saying to you and I, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. And this is God's decree. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do, and they'll complete the assignment I gave them, which is what we saw in Philippians 1.6. <clears throat> that Jesus is the word, and so God is saying, my words here in this Bible, these words I am saying to you, will complete the assignment I gave them. And he's saying again, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. For as high as the skies soar above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. So we really want to position ourselves to say, God, your, your will, not my will, and God, your way, not my way. 
because God's ways are not our ways. And so I like one of my favorite devotionals is Streams in the Desert. And the one for January 2nd, I love this one every year. I read it. And it says, not many of us are living at our best. We linger in the lowlands because we're afraid to climb the mountains. The steepness and the ruggedness dismay us. And so we may stay in the misty valleys and do not learn the mystery of the hills. We do not know what we lose in our self-indulgence. What glory awaits us if we only have courage for the mountain climb. What a blessing we should find if we only would move to the uplands of God. So we really want to encourage ourselves to let God have his way and his will and to complete his good work because he will take us to amazing places that we would have never imagined. And that's that, that verse that we talk about in Ephesians 3.20 where he says he can do immeasurably more than we could ever hope for or imagine. And so God's best may not always feel like or seem like our best initially. But in retrospect, we can all say to each other and to ourselves, God is not ever letting me down. And I have all these testimonies all throughout my life that God has always followed through. Even in the darkest times, when I had no idea what was going on and if I would ever make it, here I am sitting here and I can look back and say, wow, God really comes through every time. And so we want to look at this First Chronicles 4, 9, and 10, and you're very familiar with the prayer of Jabez. And we, we want to say to God, not your way, my not my way, but your way, your will, not my will. And then we're going to ask God, we're going to say, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil. And so we can position ourselves to be, as we're going forward in this little talk, we're going to talk more about asking and receiving and believing with faith. And so we're going to ask for God's best, and we're going to be praying with intention these prayers. So the second point after we have this number one is position ourselves with intention. The second point is we're going to bring the year to a close and we're going to keep it closed. So I don't know how many of you have this kind of little nasty habit of reopening the past, rehashing it, ruminating on it, reevaluating it, overanalyzing it, beating yourself up about it, or living in the past positively because you're not happy with the future that you see yourself having or you're not happy with the moment that you're in. And so you want to go back. You know, and I'm, I'm famous for, I love retro TV because it just gives me these, these fun feelings. You know, I know that the world when I was growing up really was not like that. But I liked thinking about a world that way. But I can't go back in the past and romanticize it. I also am not to go back in the past and villainize myself. So as we look at this idea of bringing the year to a close and keeping it closed, we're going to say, what does this mean? Well, God made time and seasons for a reason, because he knew that we would need new beginnings. And we have that famous passage in Ecclesiastes that says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, and it, and it goes on. So this first point, we're going to position ourselves with intention that we're wanting God's way and not ours, that we're wanting his will. And the second point as we move toward creating this foundation for a great new year is that we're going to bring this last year, 2012, to a close, and we're going to keep it closed. And we're going to talk more about how we do this. But we first want to remind ourselves that there is a season for all these things. And thank God 
he gives us seasons because he knew we would need these new beginnings. And so even as we look at, at Lamentations 3:22 and 24, it says God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't dry up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness. So we're coming to an end of this particular segment. So I want you to think about what are these little seasons that you have in your life? And what are the seasons that you're trying to keep going? And what are the seasons that we need to close and the events or the incidences or the way of living or the way of thinking so that we can have new mercies today and move forward with God's way and God's will? This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And join me again in a couple of minutes and we're going to complete this this little exhortation and teaching. Cynthia with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me again. We are talking about the best year ever and how we are going to do that in this new year. And so one of the things that we were discussing in the last uh, segment was this first point of foundation that we're building for ourselves this year is that we are going to position ourselves with intention. And that position is God's way, not, not my way, and God's will, not my will. And we talked about several of those verses that help with that. And the biggest, um, the main one was Isaiah 55, 8. They talked about his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And then we also talked about Ephesians 3, 20, that says he can do immeasurably more than we could ever hope for or imagine. And we talked about Philippians 1, 6, that says he is going to complete the good work that he started in us, that we can be confident of that. So these are some verses we want to go into the new year with, that we are going to position ourselves with intention, that that is our intention to meditate our heart, our mind, our soul, our body, our spirit on those truths, that that is how we are going to be looking and perceiving this new year. The second one we talked about, we're going to bring the year to a close. We're going to keep it closed because many of us, as we have, have talked about, have this, this nasty habit of reopening the past and not necessarily in a healthy way, but we have this tendency to either villainize ourselves, beat ourselves up, or we want to live back in the past because we had an exploit or a moment or a success or a relationship. And we don't want the future because we like too much what happened back there. And if we don't get that with our future, then we don't want to do our life today. And so we end up going through the moments, but not really living our life. And that is not God's way either. And that is not God's will for you or for I. So we looked at this wonderful verse in Lamentations 3.22 and 24, because we're talking about seasons and that God gives us seasons. And so we have these years that come to an end, but we also have even a day that comes to an end. And how kind of God to know that, you know, there are some times when that day, it just needs to end. And I am so thankful when that day is over. And so we want to thank God for that and see that there are many, these little mini, like tiny little seasons And this one thing that God tells us in Lamentations, he says, God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. And then the writer in the last part of, in verse 24, he says, I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. So when it comes down to the end of the day, when it comes down to you inside of you, you and God, really, God is all we really have left. Because he really is 
the culmination of our whole entire life, and he's also the beginning and the end of it. And so we want to include him in all those moments. We want to be saying, God, I want your way. And Father, thank you for new mercies every morning that I get to start again with myself, with other people, with my life, my job, my children, whatever that is, that I get to start again. And so I'm going to let myself have these seasons in my life. So it's extremely important, the positioning of the past in the past, because God tells us that he puts our sins as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. I think that's fascinating. But one of the reasons that God doesn't remember, have to remember our sin, is because he doesn't need to learn from them. We do. We need to learn from our sin. We also need to learn from our successes. So it's imperative that we go through the grief and loss process as we are reconciling and forgiving others and ourselves for whatever it was that occurred in that past year. So here we are in the first week, first two weeks of, of the new year, and this is a time where you can really reflect and say, you know, what, what are those things that I don't want to let go of, but I know that I don't want to bring them into the new year, that they're in the, the last year for a reason. And so when we're looking at the grief and loss process, and we've talked about this before, We have shock, denial, bargaining, anger and sadness, and mourning. Finally, we get to acceptance and forgiveness. So no one likes to shock themselves. Trust me, I I don't like it when I shock myself, unless it's in a good way. But these things, these memories that need to be resolved, these are the ones that have energy around them. And you'll know that, that they have energy because you'll think about that moment or that person, the event, um, whatever the, the job, whatever the, whatever the exploit was, and you're going to have that sinking feeling when you think about it, or you're going to get kind of an adrenaline rush, or, or that you're going to want to close your eyes and do that heavy sigh and go, oh, wow. So those are the ones that we really need to resolve, and they many times need to go through that grief and loss process, where I get out of shock, and I accept the fact that really did happen. That person really did say that. That person really did that. I really did that. <clears throat> Excuse me again. And those are the ones that... We're going to not want to do the bargaining where we're continuing to ruminate. No, I could have done this. I should have done this. I wish I would have done that. Why didn't that happen? And then we're going to have to work into that anger where we're mad. We can't believe that those things happened or that person said that or did that or didn't do something or I lost that deal or I lost that relationship or I really, really messed up that moment and I can't get it back because it's in the past. And so as I work through acceptance, I have to go through all those feelings that have to do with that person or that event. And if it's about me, then I need to let the past be the past and forgive myself because God has forgiven me. And so God knows I'm going to do stupid things. He, he knows I'm going to do unforgivable things. And thank God he forgives me. And so he knows that sometimes they're going to be costly, gross, whatever it is that I've done, because this is as I'm becoming who God has intended me to be. Because God knows that we can't learn without making mistakes. And so it doesn't mean that we look at the behavior, the incident, um, objectively without forgiveness. We're, we're wanting to look at it with forgiveness. And we're going to want to look at it from a, from a retrospective manner. And we're going to say, what can I take from that into the new year? Which would be the learning. Not the, the self-condemnation uh, or the unforgiveness toward that person. Because we're realizing that these behaviors don't necessarily indicate who we are. And so what we're wanting to do is that we're wanting the behaviors that we do to reinforce who I truly am, because this is, this is who Jesus was. 
Everything he said, everything he did, every way he acted or didn't was an authentic, genuine reflection of God, who he was. And so we're wanting our behaviors to be the same, but God knows that they're not going to always be the same. They're not going to be who we are. So what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to learn from those behaviors, wanting to forgive ourselves and forgive others so that we don't be foolish and repeat them. And so this also applies to successes because I can't continue to live in my previous successes and not do the current day and look for new things that God is doing for me. So what I'm taking into the new year is lessons. And this is why God doesn't want toxic shame in us. And we've done a show on shame, and we know how how debilitating shame can be. So we're we're not using the past to beat ourselves up. That is not what it is for. It is hindsight is not for self-abuse ever. It is simply to learn. And it's imperative that you understand that we need our memories because our memories are who we are. So our memories are either the behaviors that really reinforce who we are or the behaviors that tell me that's not who I am. But either way, I need the memories because we know that when we're trying to interact with someone that has amnesia, different types of dementia or Alzheimer's, it's impa- we can't have relationship with them because they don't know who they are. And so our memories are a big chunk of who we are, a part of our identity. And so we want to accept and love and forgive that entire memory that we have in all these ways. So remember again, the past is for us to learn. And we do not use hindsight for self-abuse. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again in the next segment. We're going to go on to number three of how we are going to have the best year ever. Thank you for joining me. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking about the new year and how we are going to have the best year ever. And we know that sometimes what my best is and what God's best is may be different. But in the end, God's best is always truly the best. And so we're talking about this foundational approach to the new year and how we are going to set up the year to have that best year. And so one of the ways that we do, the first one is we have we, we position ourselves with intention, and that position that I'm standing on, I'm in, with intention to have it be God's way and not my way, God's will and not my will. And the second point that we've been talking about is that we are going to bring the year to a close and we're going to keep it closed. And the reason that we want to do this is we, we want to understand that all that happened in that last year certainly was within God's way for us. Even if we are taking our, ourselves on this circuitous route as we're, doing, as we're going through our life's journey, all that, those things that happened, God was still involved in. And so we're wanting to look at that past year with absolutely no condemnation whatsoever. Because if we do that condemnation, then we're going to, all, all that does is bring us toxic shame. And we know that toxic shame causes us then to do more sin. Because when we think we are bad people, we end up doing bad things. So we want to make sure that as we go forward into this new year, that those past things are resolved. Whether they be positive or negative, we want them to be within that year. So we may need to go through the grief and loss process for different events when it comes to forgiving others, forgiving ourselves. Because 
we want to remind ourselves that when God is doing the good work in us, he has already set up provision for our future mistakes because he knew that they were coming. He knew everything that we were going to do all along the way, and he's provided for us. So we want to make sure that we're also providing for others, and that would be forgiveness. That God has forgiven us, we forgive them. And there are many things that are very difficult to forgive. What I know is that if something is hard to forgive, that's, that's because I'm needing that grace from God to be able to do it. Because forgiveness is a gift, and I ask for it frequently because I, I'm, a, I'm a fairly forgiving person by nature, but when I get my feelings really hurt or really disappointed, I want to build those walls. That gives me that false sense of safety. And so when we're looking at the, the prior year, we're forgiving not only others, but we are also forgiving ourselves. And we are saying to ourselves, that is part of learning. And in the course of my life, that's how I become more of who God has called me to be. So that this year, we really are truly the best version of who we have been. So that last year, that's the best version I had was last year. But I'm learning from last year so that this year, it's even better. So we are going to want to make sure that the past is going to be in the past. And, and I want to make a, a little point here to realize that if, if part of what happened in last year was, was a major loss, and that would be the loss of a loved one, Maybe your entire business was lost. You lost a very, very significant relationship. Something was stolen that is very costly or, or, or very meaningful to you. These types of losses, many times they take more than one year to resolve. But what we want to do is we want to go through the process to the best of our ability so that we don't bring more into this year and, and cause that grief and loss process to be longer. Because grief and loss is, a, is an arduous effort. It is not an easy endeavor that we take on. But it is also a very life-giving process, if we will allow it to be. So we don't, we don't want to, to re- do this review and this acceptance issue with anything other than to bring healing to ourselves and from God. So we also, when we look at resolutions, we don't want to vilify resolutions. See, I see them as vision setters. And there are some resolutions I've had for 20 years. <laughs> I truly have. Because that really is the vision. And, and I don't know when God is going to get me there, but I keep setting that vision, that intention. And there are things that I've read in my Bible that I've asked for in 1993, 1988. And last year, he gave me some of those. And so I'm going to continue to pray for those resolutions, those vision setters that I have. Because they're intended for reference points, not something to beat me up with. And so my resolutions and goals, they're like part of a map. So I don't know how long it's going to take me to get where I'm going, but they help me to stay on course. And so we don't want to use these as shame creators or condemnation ammunition. You know, it's like this artillery that we have that we bring the past and we just, we annihilate ourselves over and over and over again. So it's very imperative that when we are closing out that year, we are truly letting that past be in the past. And then this last one, this, I mean, I'm sorry, this is the third one, and we're going to talk about this when we come back. This is creating new beginnings for myself by asking God for the new things he has for me. And so what we do is we're we're coming back to this next segment, and we're going to talk about this creating new beginnings, and then we're going to talk about how we're living a life of love and how we're maintaining our internal and external world. Because these are imperative for us to have that best year ever. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in a few minutes as we go through this idea of having our best year. 
Hello, this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me for this last segment as we are wrapping up how to have the best year ever. So remember, the first one is that we position ourselves with intention, and that is that God's way, not our way. God's will, not our will. The second one is that we, we close out the last year and we keep it closed. So we go through the grief and loss process, and we use that last year as a learning curve, not something to beat ourselves up with. And we, we kind of clean it up and we say, you know, what needs to come into the new year? What needs to be left back there? And we may have to go back a couple of years because we may be holding on to things for a long time. So this third part is creating new beginnings for myself by asking God for the new things he has for me. And so this is part of living my life now and not living in the past, that I'm asking for new things. And it, does, and it means I don't get in the way of God. I don't fight him. I'm practicing a step of faith, and I'm believing that God has good things for me. And so in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So we have a new year. This is a new creation, this year. And so what we're saying to ourselves is, I also am going to live as that new creation, that every morning I'm waking up, I'm a new person. And so I get to start every day with God doing his way. And if I didn't do it yesterday, then that was yesterday. And that was a learning part of my journey. And I repositioned myself at the beginning of every day. So we have several verses that are going to help us intentionally position our hearts and minds to allow for these new beginnings, for these, this new future, not of the past. And so we ask, we seek, and we believe. And this is imperative in this, in this number three as I am asking and creating, allowing God to create new beginnings for me, is that I'm seeking God, I'm asking, and I'm believing. And remember that believing and, and faith, these things are not always feelings. I like it when I have wonderful faith-filled feelings. But sometimes those are difficult to have. Sometimes I just believe because that's what God says. And so if I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for my sins, then I'm going to believe the other words he says in the Bible for me as well. And that's how precious I am, how, how much he loves me, how much he has new mercies for me, and that his forgiveness is without fail. And so I'm going to ask God for things. I'm going to seek him, and I'm going to believe that he is good to his word. And so I love this verse in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So what God is saying is, forget about the past. Forget about it. And not forget about it as, as to have not learned from it, but don't live back there. It's old. It's dead. I'm doing a new thing. Even if the past things were phenomenal, God says, forget about it. I can do better. And so he says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not see it? So we need to be looking, seeking, asking, believing. What is the new thing that God is doing in my life? And I want to perceive it. So I'm going to ask God, help me see it. God, help me to see the new thing that you are doing in me. And that it is your way and not my way. And that it's your best. And it may not be feeling best for me at the moment. But my belief in God is that he's doing good things and completing the good work he started in me. So we also have Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That is God's way. Remind yourself, that is God's way. 
And he says, the second part, he says, then you will call on me, come and pray to me. I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So again, that's a position of intention, that I am believing that God has good plans for me, even if I'm not seeing them with my mortal eyes, or I'm not seeing them even with my heart, within my, I'm not having that hope that I'm needing to have. I'm going to say, God, you have hope for me, and it is out there for me, and you are walking me toward that. And so I'm believing and I'm asking and I'm seeking. And so we also get this wonderful verse in Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we have to ask and seek God, what is the good work for this year? Because God, you prepared it in advance for me. I need to walk into it. And so we need to ask. There's this great verse. Um, this is in chronicles i believe and it, and part of what it's saying i'm sorry no this is isaiah chapter 30 and it's 18 through 22 and it says but god's not finished he's waiting around to be gracious to you and he's gathering strength to show you mercy god takes the time to do everything right everything those who wait around for him are the lucky ones so we are asking we are seeking and we are believing and as we are believing, sometimes we're waiting. We're waiting to, for it to manifest because we can't see it. But we're knowing it's there, and that's my position of intention. That's how I am going to think. I am going to think on those things. And so all through Luke chapter 11, I think it goes all the way from verse 8 to 13. It keeps saying, ask. Everyone who asks receives. He says, which of you fathers, if, you, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake? Or if he asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? He says, if then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we are asking for God's way. We are asking for his best. So remember that faith and belief, these are a mindset. This is a positioning of my heart. It's not always a feeling. It's a choice as to how I think and as to what I allow myself to linger, ponder, or think on. So I am going to practice and look for all the ways the Lord is giving me future and hope. Right, this leads us to number four. And this is, I will intentionally manage my internal world and my external world. Now, when we look at, um, when, we, when we were talking about codependency a couple of shows back, we were realizing that we can't, we can't control the external world. That's people, places, and things. But what we do have is our own external world, and that is the way we are interacting in our world. So usually in, in when we're doing resolutions, the physical realm of humans is where people are mostly doing resolutions, how they look, how they eat. Are they going to exercise? Are they going to, you know, buy a new car? What, what are they going to do physically? So when we look at these five realms that humans live in, we have a physical realm, we have a social realm, intellectual, we have emotional, psychological, and spiritual. Now, these last three, the intellectual part of me, the emotional, psychological part of me, my heart, my soul, and the spiritual part of me, those are the ones that the most directly affect how I'm socially interacting in my world and how I'm physically looking and taking care of myself and what I'm doing with that physical part of me, whether I'm managing my body and what I do with it. And so if I tried it, when we talked about that ripple effect, if I'm trying to go externally, first and hope that internally it changes my internal world. Like if I lose weight, then I'll like myself. It never works that way. We have to like ourselves first, which then gives us the strength 
and gives us the support to actually make the changes that we need to for our physical being. So we want to work on managing our internal world first, which is how I think and practicing good intellectual boundaries. That means how do I think about myself? Am I judgmental toward myself or to others? I'm going to work on managing my emotions and how I interpret my emotions and how I express them and how I'm thinking with me, on me, about me, and my relationship with me. And then spiritually, I'm going to be working on that spiritual world that I have. And that's the asking, seeking, believing, walking in faith. And I'm going to intellectually use the word of God to bolster that spiritual part of me so that I know God more. So I'm going to use that emotional, psychological part of me to interact with God, to have experience of God. And so the more that I'm managing that internal world, the better I'm going to act socially, the better I'm going to express myself, people are going to know me better, and I'm also going to physically be healthier and better able to take care of myself. So my internal world, the world of emotions, ideas, my intellectual world, my emotional, spiritual world, and then my external world, the physical and social part of me. So these are imperative as I am doing my, my best year, that these are the things that God is giving me charge over. And then he's going to help me and interact with me on how I'm managing that internal world and how I'm managing the external world. So the last one, number five, this is pretty simple, but not necessarily easy. And this is living in love, period. The whole entire, this whole entire year, I need to do it in love, in love toward myself, toward others, towards God's creation, his, his way is the way of love. And so we see this, this wonderful verse in 1 John chapter 4, 7 and 8. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so that doesn't mean that if I'm not being loving that I don't know God anymore. It means that I'm not acting like I know him. Because I do know him, and he is a God of love. He is always a God of justice, but his justice is done with love and with mercy and with grace. And we need to be practicing that with ourselves because we know that love covers a multitude of sin. And it doesn't mean that love, we're hiding sin. It means that while I'm working on a process, God is covering me. He's protecting me. He's realizing that I don't have it all together yet. And so his love covers me. And we want to cover others. We want to cover ourselves We want to be treating each other with grace and mercy and kindness. And so we understand that love never fails. So when you're managing that internal world, you want to always be looking towards yourself with the eyes of love, which is how God looks towards you. And honoring God is loving those that he loves. So when I'm taking care of my internal and external world, this is me taking care of that precious one that God loves. And what we know is that when God said very emphatically, Jesus was talking, saying, it'd be better if a millstone were put around your neck than if you were to harm one of my little ones. Well, what we have to understand is we are God's children. It doesn't matter how old I am. I am his little one. And so how am I taking care of me and managing me? Am I living in love? The more that I live in love, the more I bring love wherever I go. And the more people are going to experience that love, which is healing the more I'm going to have grace and mercy, the more I'm going to have the ability to forgive when I am living in love and accepting God's love. And so when we look at the love chapter, this is one of the ways that I can best love me. 
is I accept the way God does. And when God is showing me the love chapter, he's saying, Cynthia, this is how I love you every day. I think the best of you. I'm patient with you. I'm kind with you. I don't rejoice when bad things happen to you, even if you deserved it, even if it was of your own making. He says love never fails. And this is how he loves me every day. And every morning he has new mercies for me. And we start over every day. So when we're, when we're doing our best year, remember these five points. We're saying, God, it is your way, not my way. It is your will, not mine. The second one we're doing is we're saying to ourselves that I'm going to close out last year and I'm going to keep it closed. I'm not going to go back and rehash it. And so I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to integrate all that learning curve. I'm going to forgive the people I need to forgive. I'm going to forgive myself. And I am going to start that new year. And I'm going to let there be a new season in my life. And I'm going to let there be new beginnings. And the third point that we talked about that was very important is that we are going to ask, seek, and believe. So we are going to let God create those new beginnings for us. And we are going to pursue him. We are going to seek after his way, his will. We're going to ask for things. We're not going to try to read God's mind. I'm just going to ask him for what I want, for what I'm wanting, what I'm needing. And then I'm going to let it be his way. And so this is what little children do with parents. They just ask. And they tell parents what they want, what they need, and parents then manage. And so then the fourth one is I'm going to certainly manage my internal world and my external world. And so I'm going to work on managing the internal world first and let the external world then be worked on. And the last one, I'm going to be living in love. So I'm praying God's best year for all of you. And I'm wanting you to learn to live in love. And I know God has good ways for you. He has good plans for you. He has hope and future for you. God bless you in this new year. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate and spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay anytime at KPXQ1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ.